0: But We've been talking about the idea of proximity, and that's Psalm one. Okay, that's actually Psalm one three, which is, uh, uh, or let's just start Psalm one one. How blessed is man who is not walking in the counsel of the wicked, nor standing in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers? But his delight, awesome, thank you, Milton. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And right here, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. I would like whatever we do, as individuals, and as a church, I'd like whatever we do to prosper. I Don't want to do anything in vain. I don't want to do anything that doesn't have the Lord's hand on it. I don't want to do anything that we can do on our own. I want it to prosper. I want the Lord to see an increase. I want the Lord to bless it. And, and the only way that happens is if we get planted by the streams of water. Jesus is actually the streams of living water, right? John chapter 4. But, but if we would get planted next to him, that would be the most fruitful place we could ever live. Okay? And, and I believe that we can live our lives. And again, this is reviewed. It's okay. <laughs> I say that every week. Um, it is. And... Uh, If we would get planted next to him, and not just when we come into this space, not when we just walk into River City or or your Sunday morning church, but we could get planted next to him every single day of our life, and actually Jay Jellison, our friend, says moment by moment by moment. I can hear him actually saying that, but if we would get planted next to him moment by moment by moment, we would start to see fruit perpetually, which is what it means uh, tree that will bear fruit in its season, uh, it means perpetually, it means continually. And if we would live in the presence of the Lord, I say live in the presence, these all places, all times, but if we would live in an awareness of the presence of the Lord, I believe that we would continue to bear fruit, we continue to bear fruit, we continue to bear fruit, and then we wouldn't have to try so hard. I'm all for trying hard. <laughs> I'm all for doing everything as if I'm doing it unto the Lord, right? Like, like when I preach, that's an act of worship. Like if, if I come up here ill-prepared, it actually dishonors the Lord. If you go to your work and you play on Facebook all day and you don't do your job, then you're dishonoring the Lord, right? I mean, it's it's just one of those things. And so, so we want to do everything as we do unto the Lord. However... I would rather live my life in such a way that I'm near him that we see fruit happen all the time. And so when we work hard, we see fruit. But if we get planted next to him, we're going to see a lot more fruit. Right. And so that's the whole premise. And, and not just as a church, but I believe in our families and our, our works, our works, our work sites Our day-to-day lives, we can see fruit on a regular, perpetual basis. And I would much rather see that. Ezekiel 47 talks about these trees, too. It's not in the notes. But Ezekiel 47 talks about the trees. It actually says that the leaves of the tree planted next to the stream, right? Ezekiel 47, water's flowing from the temple. It actually says that the leaves of the tree are actually healing for the nations. And so if we would, yeah, so not only would we bear fruit... But we would actually be leaves, we would have leaves that were healing for the nations, which actually means physical healing, but actually have, carries the, the phrase and the, I guess the, the meaning as well would be like uh, restoration, reconciliation. It would bring justice. And, and the only real justice is biblical justice. And the only biblical justice, in my mind, is on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so anyway, so we would have these leaves that were healing for the nations as well. All right. So, but the, uh, so I say all that, been on this topic for almost two months, and it's not that I haven't practiced this, I, I have. I'm learning to practice it better, and I'm learning with this that there's actually a um, I've been asking myself, like, why why don't we do this? I guess, let me phrase it like that. Like, why don't we want to stay planted next to a stream of water? Like, we're okay planting ourselves. Most, I say we're, Christians, church. We're okay saying I'm planted when we're in this space. But when we walk out the doors, again, it's like, we'll see you later. See you next week, Jesus. You know, why is it that we drift? April prayed that a moment ago. Why is it we drift? Why is it we go away? And uh, why is it we kind of return, or why is, it, why is it that we don't just say, I'm planted? And um, I'm just going to give you my thoughts. I'm going to give you my opinion, okay? And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying in my case, okay, I think the reason why we don't get planted is because there's a high cost to it. That's not a seeker-friendly message. <laughs> that, that's a seeker-friendly message there. There's a high cost to it. Now, it's worth it, but there's a high cost. So go ahead, Milton. Let's, let's look at that next scripture. I want to look at um, Genesis 32. Hmm. And I'll read this. Like, there's a high cost, but it's worth it. Oh, it's a little out of whack. So you can turn there if you want. Uh, Genesis 32, I'm going to start with verse 22. I have in my notes, 30, I have 24. I'm, I'm going to start on verse 22, Milton. I don't think that's in there, that's okay. All right, 22, it says, now he, oh, it is, I gave him right, anyway. All right, it says, now he arose, we're talking about Jacob. Now he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children, it's crazy, 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, or Yabbok. And he took them, and he sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. Then, verse 24, it start, starts to talk about Jacob wrestling. It says, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So he sent everyone across the Yabbok River, and he's there by himself, and then a man shows up, and he wrestles with him till daybreak. I would like to know like, what happened between there, right? I would like to know the conversation that happened right there. But anyway, it says, When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of Jacob's thigh was this located while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he's saying, I've I've taught this before, but when he's saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me, he's saying, I will not not let go until you abundantly bless me. It's the closest thing to John 10.10 in the Old Testament. It's the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, that they may have life and have it abundantly. It means to be blessed to the point that you live with an advantage, is what he's saying. And so Jacob's saying, I will not let you go until you bless me to the point that I live my life with an advantage. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, verse 28. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob named the place Peniel. And he said, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the socket of the thigh because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh through the sinew of his hip. Jesus, we need your help tonight. All right. So a whole lot right there going on. And uh, so we, we say this, that there is a high price to proximity. And... In order, I believe, to get into proximity, it starts off very simply. You you have to be willing to empty yourself to get into the presence of God. Now, most Middle Eastern religions, the premise of their religion is to empty their self, to empty their self. It's like, I just need to, and we say stuff like this too, I need to clear my mind, right? Well, why would you clear your mind if you have the mind of Christ? (laughs) Okay, Or, or, or the process, some stuff is to empty oneself, but... The New Testament says that if a house is found empty, then seven more will come back and actually try to inhabit it. So we, Christians, get empty so we can get filled. We don't get empty so we can get empty, all right? But anyway, totally different thing. But anyway, proximity comes with the decision to say, I am empty. And that is what, when it says that he crossed the Yabbok River, verse 22, it means the place of the pouring out, the place of the emptying. And so Jesus, so Jacob comes to this place and sends his family and he comes to this place and he's like, I'm at this place and I'm going to self-empty myself. <laughs> and it really it's this place where every resource is given up. That's why he sends everything across the river before he goes. He sends everything across so it's a completely emptying of oneself so that God or so that God can end up filling him with what he needs in order to go through his life. And so I'm convinced that if we would like to live in the presence of God, we essentially need to leave everything that has gotten us up until that point in life behind, if you will. And say, well, I I, I don't need, if we want to be used by God, if you have a charismatic personality, not charismatic church, but if you have a charismatic personality, you, you may need to leave your personality at the door. So that the Lord can operate and use your weakness and not rely on your strengths, right? Or if you're clever, then you may need to use your cleverness at the door so that the Lord can use himself i'm saying it's this place of saying i don't need to rely on the things that i've always relied on they may be gifts they may be graces, but i'm not going to trust in them right some trust in horses some trust in chariots but we will trust in the lord it's, it's we're going to trust in the lord almighty and so it's this place of saying look i've, I've come to the end of my road i've done it my way and it's just not working anymore. So <laughs> You can have it all, God. Like we sing stuff like that too. You can have it all, Lord. But do we really mean it? Where it's like you can have it all, but I'm going to hold on to this right here. I think it should be illegal to sing stuff like that if we don't really mean it. <laughs> and then verse 24, it says, When Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And so it's this place of emptying and of proximity. It actually comes with a wrestling. <laughs> now, before you get to the wrestling, it says that he was alone, which means solitude. By the way, if you want to live in the presence of God, you're going to have to get alone with God. That's right. We have our public relationship with God, which is really what this is. And then we have our private relationship. Something the Lord's been speaking to me about. Is like we say stuff like this with couples, and this is the only way I know how to articulate it. We say, like, April and I, we have, we have 15 years of marriage, 16 years as a couple. We have 16 years of history together. We build a history together. The Lord's been speaking to me about this private history with Him. I want to build that history and that relationship with Him. And sometimes that takes solitude. And sometimes that takes sitting in the complete and utter quiet, and that's okay. It may mean you need to say, and and this is just a personal thing, like I I straightened out my office this week, and the last few days that I've been in there, I've I've left this thing in the other room. (laughs) Why? So I'm not tempted to look at it or respond if I get a text or an email, because it's so easy to do. And it's so easy to, to be alone with God, but then feel like I'm connected to however many people I'm connected to, right? And, and I'm going to miss something. And, and I think there's something that we need to do. And what we need to do is be okay with being alone with the Lord. And, being, and, and then it's like, Lord, you're so good. You're so kind. You're so gracious. Like, we talk good about the Lord to the Lord. And then wait. That's what's hard. Wait. That's that Luke 24, 49 that we have hammered and hammered and hammered. That's go and wait, go and tarry in the city until you receive power from on high. And then Acts 2, 3, it says that tongues as a fire came and rested on their heads. It's the same word as rest and wait and seated. It's all this stuff. But if we would wait on the presence of the Lord, he would begin to move. Now, what's fascinating is, is that he says when Jacob was left alone, and then it says, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Wrestling, it's this amazing concept. So if we can get alone with God, we may actually be able to wrestle with God. That's wrestled, it, it means this it means to struggle, it means to have physical engagement with a, an opponent <laughs> it could mean possibly hostile <laughs> it means gaining an advantage through leverage holds and moves and this this is what got me to when I was looking at this passage uh, the word wrestle could also mean so it's like I'm grabbing on but it also has this meaning to float away with <laughs> and I love that and so here's this thing that says I get alone with him and I grab onto him, and I'm not going to let go. And if I don't let go, it actually could mean that I float away with him. What, what does that mean? I think it means that if we would grab onto him and not let go, that we say float away, it'd be like if you, you know you come into a church service and you just like, God's here, right? Or the back of the, your back of the hair, or the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You get goosebumps. Whatever it is, those things are amazing. But it would be like, I think floating away with him would just be like, be like I spent an hour in prayer, and it feels like two minutes. You understand what I'm saying? Or, or it'd be like, I spent two hours with him, and the next thing I know, it's like, oh man, where has the time went? Well, I floated off with him. I think that's the most productive place. I'm, I say I think, I'm learning. That's the most productive thing that I can do. As a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a whatever else I do, the most productive thing I can do is go get alone with the Lord. The most productive thing that I can do for any, is is to go get alone with the Lord and be in his presence so that I actually have something worth giving away. Because you don't need, I, I pro, like, I'm not tooting my heart, like, I, I'm not an idiot, I'm not the smartest guy, but I could come up with a tri, a, just a clever three-point sermon and just give you something that I think sounds good, right? Or I could go spend time with him, and he speaks to me. And then I actually have something worth giving away. And in our day-to-day lives, it's like, well, I'm having marriage problems. Or I'm having conflict at home. Well, maybe if we would go get alone with him and he would float away or he would carry us away, then maybe I would have the words to speak to my spouse that I need to speak to my spouse. Or maybe I have the answers to this conflict that I'm facing that I need to have that answer. And typically... Typically, it's like when it's like I, I, I need the answers, Lord. I need the answers, Lord. And most of the time, it's just He wants to change our heart towards that person anyway. Amen. And it comes with a cost. It really does. It comes with a cost. Verse twenty-five. Verse twenty-five. It says this. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, this is God or the angel. When he had, saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. And the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. How many of y'all have ever broken a bone? Hurts, right? How I many y'all think you'd hold on to someone if you dislocated your hip? I think it'd be an excruciating amount of pain. And Jacob said, oh, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. This hurts right now, but I'm not letting go. It, 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 when it says that he touched the socket of his thigh, touched, it's, that's such a poor translation. Touched, it means like to strike violently. So that, that's wild when you think about it. So here's him holding, and he's like, oh, I can't, I can't prevail over him. So, so he strikes him violently on his hip. It, it actually means to injure, and it could just mean a devastating blow. So it'd be like, it'd be like a finishing move, right? If You're a professional wrestler. <laughs> Woo, I'm thinking Ric Flair right now. But anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So here's this devastating blow that he touches his hip. And then it says that his thigh, his socket, it got dislocated, which means that it was torn. It was wrenched. It actually could mean that it was put to death. So here's Jacob. He's wrestling with God and, and he won't let go. And he touches him. And not only does he violently strike him, but he actually gives him a death blow. Like I think you understand like Jesus came that so we could live. Like we understand that. But he also came so that we would die. Been crucified with Christ. You don't live through crucifixion. Right? And so Jacob wrestles with him. God strikes him violently and God essentially puts the person of Jacob death and that's really the price to pay if we're gonna live in the presence of the Lord is is that, is that we are all first Corinthians 15 31 uh, Paul says I die daily it's it's a daily death it's a daily dying of oneself it's a daily laying my preferences my hopes my dreams down because as much as I want those things and as wonderful those things are Living in his presence is so much better than any of that anyway, right? And so, so that's the cost. And, and I think that sometimes we count the cost. It's like, well, what am I going to have to give up? And, and we say cheesy, pastory, pastorly, preacherly stuff like, yeah, I mean, you can give it all up, but it's really worth it if you get in his presence. And while that is cheesy and corny, it really is the truth. Verse 26, he said, Let me go for the dawn is breaking. And he says, I will not let you, I will not let you go unless you abundantly bless me. It's like, I know I'm dying. Lord, I'm in your presence, and I know. Like, if I, I think it's this too. This is why church prayer meetings are hard. <laughs> because the Lord starts to convict us. And most of us don't want conviction. Most of us want affirmation. And <laughs> conviction's a good thing. Guilt, shame, condemnation, that's from hell. That's right. Convictions yeah. from the Lord. And so, uh, so, so he wants to abundantly bless us with this awareness that he's always near, but we may have to actually die and, to, to get into that place. And, and then it says, it says this verse 31. Now the sun rose up just as he crossed over, and he was limping on his thigh. So not only did the Lord essentially kill Jacob, (laughs) this is encouraging, it really is. Not only did he, because again, this is the reason why we don't do this, because of the high price. But we'll look here in a moment, that there is a reward for this, all right? Because you know how the story ends. But it says that he was limping on his thigh. And limping, it means to limp, it means to favor a leg. It means, like if someone walks with a limp, you know that they have something that has happened to them, right? You know that they've had an encounter, they've had an accident, if you will. They've had something happen that marked them for life. I was driving this afternoon and I stopped, uh, what, what is this, it's Gardner Lane, I think it's right over here by the post office. Is at the post office, there's a guy limping right there. And, and, uh, and I just rolled down the window. I'm like, hey, buddy, Jesus wants to touch you. Amen. And I just kept driving because there was lots of cars behind me. But he was marked something that had happened and he was limping. And so here's God. He touches Jacob's hip and it says that he was limping. And this would mean, I believe, Jacob limped for the rest of his life. Why? It was a reminder. I believe this with all my heart. It was a reminder that he had gotten alone with God in solitude and wrestled with him and that the Lord had conquered him. When the Lord touched his hip, he essentially destroyed all of Jacob's self-sufficiency. What would it look like if we would get alone with the Lord and he would destroy all of our self-sufficiency. That's why we don't do it, because that's a really hard place to get to. And, I mean, it, it is, because you have to be willing to hold on, even if it's painful. Well, what, The Lord may not give you a limp for the rest of your life, but he sure may expose the deep, dark, secret things in your heart that we may need to confess and repent and ask him to forgive us, And then then by doing so, he marks us to such a degree that when we're out here, we may say, I'm walking with a limp. It may not be a physical limp, but there's going to be something tangible on our life. That other people will see and that bears witness to. Well, they must be walking with the Lord because they walk differently, right? That's 2 Peter 2 9. That's, or 1 Peter 2 9. That's, that's you're a, a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. You're a peculiar people, God's own possession. It means one solely belonging to God. It, it would be, it'd be walking in such a way that people know that you belong to Him for no other reason than that you've spent time alone with Him. That's hard. <laughs> See, I, I think Jacob, I think, I think he could no longer walk for the rest of his life without that limp. And that was that continual reminder that what I relied on, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm relying on him from this day forward. His natural strength had been restricted by God. But his destiny was in God's hands. Love this. 2 Corinthians twelve ten. You can look this up. It says, "Therefore, this is Paul writing. Therefore, I'm well content with weakness, <laughs> with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties." I'm sorry. <laughs> it, like you read this for, I'm content, which actually means I delight and I'm well pleased. <laughs> is what is what that uh, word means. I'm I'm. I'm well pleased with weaknesses, with insults. You call me whatever you want, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. This is a guy who's been beaten and beaten, beaten, thrown in that basically the the, the 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 toilet, or where all the manure and urine ran. And he's writing this saying, I'm content with all this. I'm well pleased with this. Why? Because it's for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. If we would get alone with the Lord, we may walk with a limp. I'm I'm coming to this place where, like, I want to trust everyone, but I'm not sure I can want to trust people anymore unless they're walking with a limp. If they're walking with the Lord, I think they ought to be walking with a limp. like, well, that's really hard. It is. But It's worth it. Verse 27 is exactly why it's worth it. It's just a simple story. You guys are familiar with it. So so he said to him, this is the the angel of the Lord. He says, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. By the way, you've prevailed. You're more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus, right? But Jacob, we know what his name means, I'm sure you guys have been all been in Sunday school. It means liar, it means heel grabber, it means supplanter. Now we believe that the Lord knows everything, right? So <laughs> I, I happen I happen to think he knows what's going to happen next, all right. So, and I happen to believe he knows what's happened before. So, all right. So, here's the Lord saying, what's your name? Do you think the Lord probably knew his name? And do you think the Lord probably knew that his name meant that you're a liar? Yes. Lord, why did he want him to do that? I believe it's because this. He wanted him to articulate aloud What was going on in his heart, who he was, so that the Lord could say, well, that's who you were. But now that you've wrestled with me, and now that you've grabbed onto me, and now that I've actually marked you, and you're going to walk with a limp every day for the rest of your life, which means that when you walk, you're going to know that you can't even walk on your own strength. When you do this, you can't do that under your own ability, when you, whatever, you're always going to know that it's because of my strength and my power that's in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because when he fills you, he empowers you, right? And so, so he wants him to identify that so that he can rename that and say, what you relied on to get to this point, you're not going to have to rely on anymore. I think Jacob was probably a good liar Right. And some people are good liars. Uh, Don't elbow anyone. (laughs) There's some people are good at that. And he's saying, he's saying, you don't have to be good at that anymore. You've striven with God. You've striven with man. You're you're gonna prevail now because I have renamed you. And see, when we would get alone with the Lord, When we get alone with the Lord, He begins to rename us. I could ask each and every person in here, I won't do it because I won't embarrass anyone, but I could ask each and every person in here, what's the one thing that you don't like about yourself? Right? Because I guarantee, like if I was a liar, I was before. But if I was a liar, I probably wouldn't walk up and say, I'm a liar. I probably probably say I'm a truth teller (laughs) I would be ashamed to tell those things to anyone or maybe you did something in your past that you would not tell anyone because you're like what would they think of me if I articulated that out loud they would think that I'm a fraud right? or they would think I'm a hypocrite one who wears a mask and portrays myself as one way but really I am this way I asked you that, you would know. Probably five, ten things popped in your head right now. And the Lord says, that's not who you are, if you'd grab onto me. See, there's that price to pay, but then there's that reward at the end. And so many of us are scared to death to fight that price. And I even talked, I told April this past, I don't know, it's been the last two weeks I've been stewing on this. Talking about the high cost of the call. So there is a cost to it. There's reputations. I mean, my goodness. Like... Post-Jesus Michael and pre-Jesus Michael has different friends, and it's not because I chose to have different friends. It's because they chose not to be my friend anymore. Gospel of the Kingdom Michael versus Gospel of Church Growth Model Michael has a lot of different friends. Labeled all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's fine. I'm my, my, It hurts sometimes if, if I'm truthful. <laughs> it hurts sometimes, but there's a cost to it. There's a cost to say that, you know, I want revival and I actually believe the Lord wants to revive his church and bring revival to cities, bring revival to the denomination. Like we're not content status quo having people come to church and put tithes in the plate and live like hell the rest of the week. I mean that that there's a price to pay for that. There's a price to pay, and I'm not making, trying to make you feel sorry for I'm just trying to beat a horse to death right now. But, <laughs> but there's a price to pay when you say, I go and I believe that the Lord heals, and I lay hands on the sick, and sometimes I see him get healed in public. There's a price with that, too. There's, well, why don't that happen when I do that? Or do you think you're special? No, I'm just a guy that believes when I, the Lord wants to do this. So there's a price to pay. And I was talking about the high price of the call And then I start thinking about the high price to just be a follower of Christ. And it's hard. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I just want to encourage us tonight. Like we can talk about living in the presence all we want until I turn blue in the face. I could probably talk about next year. You guys will have Psalm 1 memorized by then probably if you don't by now. we could talk about it till we turn blue in the face. But if we don't walk this out on our own, because I I, I think like this is important, but that by yourself is just as if not more. You need both, you need both. And if you want the Lord to move through you in public, you need to be willing to pay the price in private. I just want to encourage you, you to pay the price. Allow him to mark you. Allow him to shape you, change you. He he does it to everyone. Jesus went to the wilderness. He was tempted. Elijah I rattled him off last week. First Kings 17 went to the Careth Ravine, which means the place of the cutting. And what happened at the Carath Ravine? He was fed by ravens, which are like dirty, nasty birds, and the Lord brought him brought him meat and there was water there and then once he gets used to it it dries up and then he's like what am I going to do and the Lord says go to this house and he goes to this one lady's house and he ends up raising a person from the dead I've been like Lord I sure would like to have this raven right because <laughs> he gets there and she's like, he's like how much food you got and she's like not much that cutting's worth it and I can't I can't, I can't make you do it. You can't make me do it. And I can't guilt trip you into it. And I probably can't even talk you into it. Because you can talk yourself right out of it. But I want more. For you and for us. And the only way that will happen.